0: Hey everyone, Neil here, and welcome to another episode of Pattern, where we cover the business of machine learning. For today's episode, I interviewed Prathamesh Javadkar. He is co-founder and CTO of a company called Nanonets. And Nanonets, unlike the other companies we've talked with, is not a consumer-facing company. And that's because their product is a machine learning as a service platform. So its customers are actually developers or technical. What that means is that they help developers build and deploy machine learning models where the platform does a lot of the heavy lifting. What that translates to is, is that someone who isn't necessarily a machine learning engineer uh, and just, you know, a technical developer can actually build quite powerful machine learning models using the NanoNets platform. So unlike other other interviews we've had, this one got a little bit more technical, but still fascinating and also, and and gives you a very good sense of where the machine learning industry is going, where the tech is kind of pushing towards because they are at the frontier. Now at this frontier, NanoNets has two things going for it. One is something called transfer learning, which NanoNets is actually productizing. So I'm gonna get into what exactly transfer learning is later, But how I want you to think about it is a technique to take machine learning models and stack them on top of each other to create better results. And what I mean by that is, imagine you have a machine learning model that predicts, you know, the patterns that it predicts are very coarse. Something like object detection in an image. And then on top of that, you stack another machine learning model, which takes just, you know, the object, the generic object, and. Tries to identify it further, like oh, this is an automobile object, or this is a food object, or this is you know some you know fern- piece of furniture, and then you stack on another model that refines it even further. So you know if it's if it's some sort of transportation autom- automobile object, it identifies it as a bike, or if it's a food object, as a banana, and in this way, you can kind of stack these models on top of each other. to create create much higher accurate results with much less data. And that's one of NanoNet's big selling points for developers, is to create higher accuracy with less data. The other aspect of NanoNet, which is really interesting, is that because they're a machine learning as a service platform, they're creating some really innovative tools to help build these machine learning models. And this fits very nicely in the theme that we talk about, or rather, how machine learning models and tools are getting better and better and more off the shelf, so that you don't even need a—you don't need a machine learning degree. You might not even need a, a technical degree to start creating very powerful machine learning models, purely because the tools are so easy to use. So, to start this all off, let's hear the description of nanonets from Prathamesh.
1: So basically, NanoNets is a machine learning API for developers. So what we realized was a lot of developers are cannot solve their problems using machine learning. One, because they they don't have enough data, and other is they don't have skills to build those models themselves. So what we are offering is, you know, just come to NanoNets, upload your data, and you get a model API that you can use in your application. So there's
0: a couple of things you, you mentioned there. There's not enough data, yeah. and also building out the model. So how do you guys solve the data problem
1: so the so what we realized was uh, the new techniques in machine learning called deep learning it's based on a layered knowledge arch- architecture so basically you know if you look at multiple problems they have same basic concepts so let's take uh, an example of vision computer vision so a lot of uh, computer vision algorithms have same basic architectures layers so you know on the basic level they will start to recognize basic shapes like squares, circles, and after that, they will look at complex shapes like uh, you know what is a bean or you know what is a cat. So all of these concepts are common across lot of machine learning tasks. So what we do is we build these pre-trained models. So you know all of all of the basic concepts are already there, and you just need to add your small data to build the build the model for your application.
0: Got it. So you're building off of, and this is the concept of transfer learning, yeah, where you yeah. build off of much larger, much much better trained models yeah, that yeah. are trained with a lot more accessible data.
1: Yeah.
0: What sort of problems are being solved by by these developers? Are there any like um, have you have you looked into some of the things that developers are uploading and what specific Identification problems just to get a sense of what a granular versus more coarse uh, machine learning problem is.
1: Uh, so, so, so we only started with computer vision problems, so be, like image-based. So the so our initial hypothesis was you know uh, the companies so, or the developers uh, were looking to solve computer vision problems will be from some of the limited verticals like let's say e-commerce they deal with a lot of images, uh, the travel industry they, they deal with a lot of images. So, when, when we actually saw the usage, a lot of the, our models that were built on Nannets were from these verticals. So now what we have started doing is we have started uh, building pre-trained models uh, that are specific to these verticals. So yes, you know, so in the background, we'll have pre-trained models for e-commerce, we'll have pre-trained models for travel and you know, based on what problem you are trying to solve, we'll automatically choose best model for you, which will give you higher accuracy than any other solution.
0: So as you heard, using these pre-trained models, nanonets is able to deliver higher accuracy with less data. And that's one of their really big selling points. So if you ask yourself, well, how does that happen? It happens with, with transfer learning. It's the secret sauce behind nanonets. And transfer learning is fascinating because it really goes back to how your brain works and how information systems get information into them. So the example I usually like to go with is how we process what we see from our eyes. It's your, it's your visual cortex system. So light comes in from your eyes, it goes and hits your visual cortex, which is in the back of your brain, and different nerve cells react differently uh, depending on light that comes from the top half of your eye or the bottom half or the left half or the right half. And from there, that information passes on to another layer of nerves, which processes things like color, or um, edges or and lines, and so it's slowly gathering that information representation. From there, that pass that information passes to two different systems in your brain. One's the dorsal stream, and that takes the the input and it determines where the scene is. So it's it's more of spatial information. And then you have another system, which is the, it's called the ventral system, and that's the what. That is, given the lines and edges and colors that the previous nerves detected, um, how do we determine what they're detecting? And within that even, there's even further subsystems of uh, some, some area of the nerves that detects faces or another that detects body parts. And then putting all of that together, you then go to a very domain-specific piece of your brain called the hippocampus, and that correlates all that information, the spatial information, and the object recognition information, and it puts it with uh, past memories and associates saying, hey, this thing I saw is on a road and it has two wheels, so it's probably a bike. And you can see that the brain has this very common pathway where it starts very coarse, and then slowly filters down to get to exactly what scene you're looking at. And that's what transfer learning is. It takes course models and and builds these these course models on top of more fine ones to slowly get more accurate results. Another A a more concrete way to think about that is, let's say you have a data set of, of clothing items, and you want to determine if which ones are genes. You want something that predicts, that can look at an image and say, this is a genes or not genes. So you have clothing and you label it, you know, one or zero if it's genes or not genes, and you pass it through this machine learning model. Let's say it's a neural net and it predicts, it has some prediction. It recognizes some patterns. Now, let's say you also have a data set of airplanes. So what your brain would do is it would actually use the data from both the airplanes and the genes, you know, everything passes through that common layer to help recognize objects. So we're actually, you know, there's a lot of information in that data set of airplanes that we're just not using. Well, how could we use it? We could use it by creating a very generic machine learning model. So let's say we had a generic model that just detected objects, just generic objects. And we pass both the airplane data set and the clothing data set through this generic machine learning model it would you know come up with some features that are useful and then we pass that into the one that particularly detects if this clothing item is jeans or not so you can see that we're actually using this pre-trained model that will detect things like edges colors shapes you know groupings things like that to then further enhance our you know more specific gene model and It's a very innovative use of transfer learning that is doing very well. If you look at NanoNets numbers, they have very good organic growth. Developers are kind of flocking to them. And then once the developers, the NanoNets has a freemium model. So then once the developers use the free version, they then go to their company and say, hey, I built this thing that has really good accuracy with, you know, this little set of data. I wonder, you know, we can can keep using them and the company then eventually buys nanonets and, and gets gets upsold on things like scalability and performance and just customer service in general. And it's actually a very interesting story to hear how Pratamesh and his other co-founder initially started validating their product with developers and um, getting their first customers. So, it so, uh, was really
1: interesting... So, the first part is validation of the problem, right? Like, like we thought it's a problem, but is it a real problem to a lot of developers? So, what we did was we looked at Stack Overflow. So, what usually happens inside a company is, you know, when a developer is actually trying to solve a problem and he can't, he goes to Stack Overflow and posts posts a question there. So, we looked at Stack Overflow and there's a whole bunch of problems that are posted by developers. You know, I have this problem, I know machine learning can solve it, but how do I actually do it? I don't have enough data. So that's when we realized that it is a real problem, and we started, you know, looking at what is what is the pattern among these questions asked by developers, and what are the common problems. We built a service for them, and we posted as an answer to their, and that is when you know some of our few uh, initial customers came to Nannets. They tried a model, they built a model for themselves, and started using it as an API.
0: Oh wow! So Stack Overflow was yeah. the initial product validation. Yeah. yeah that is a very ingenious first pass at looking at what the grassroots of your developers are doing. Um, And then you found these questions, then built your own models for them to answer them, posted those as answers, and slowly started attracting your first customers. I love when a company has the hustle and grit to validate and acquire customers in such an innovative way. Stack Overflow is a central hub for almost all developers in the world. It's just a resource. It's a public forum for people to ask questions to each other. And it's a go to for almost all developers that I know. Now, given that they have such a strong bottoms up approach to their business model and a value proposition that is almost lofty in that it says, You'll get higher accuracy with less data. Nanos has definitely faced some challenges educating their customers to not manage their expectations. And in turn, it's pushed them to make some really interesting machine learning tools. Okay. But it seems like at some point, you could just have, you know, if the the amount of data that they give you is... Not proportional to the number of categories that they want to predict, yeah. then there's almost nothing you can do, uh, or or is there? Because because I, I would imagine if I give you a hundred a hundred data samples yeah. Yeah. and I needed you to categorize it into a hundred different buckets, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: the chance of overfitting is so high. Yeah, great,
1: great.
0: So is there is there any sort of warning or indicator that you can give to people saying, hey, are the number of inputs doesn't or the number of data inputs is not in proportion to the respective you yeah. know output categories
1: yeah so, so we started seeing that so a lot of people uh, you know they just upload like 30 images yeah. so, you know you have to test on three images and uh, let's say you get hundred percent accuracy and think that the model is you know good enough for me use case so so we have started so uh, so whenever you train a new model we have started giving out all of these you know different graphs you know uh, how, how the accuracy changes when you know let's say you Upload more number of images. Uh, what are the expected number of images you, you should upload to get a certain level of accuracy? Or you know what are false positives, what are true positives, and all of these graphs that make people uh, like to help them understand. You know how how this works because essentially for them it's it's a simple interface, right? I just upload an image and I get an API. But there are a lot of these intricacies where you know one of which is overfitting, if you don't upload a lot of images, if there are multiple categories then the model will certainly overfit, you know, it will just try to remember whatever you have inputted and it will just give that as an output. Uh, so, so there is, so the education is a is a big challenge that we have started seeing, where you know, uh, let's say somebody, somebody comes from a non-tech background, he, he, he doesn't understand all these concepts, so education is a big problem. So we have started adding more and more educational material on, on our website. Whenever your train model, will tell you, you know, these are the categories that are getting, uh, so we'll show you confusion matrix, which are two categories that are, you know, very similar and you, you have a lot of errors in those categories, so you should upload more images in these categories or, you know, if you have unbalanced data set, so can we help you? Or get more images from the, like your domain. So, we have started doing all of those things to help people uh, with non tech backgrounds solve problems using our platform.
0: Oh, interesting, because that's, that's a very nuanced point to machine yeah. learning. It's a lot of research when you're building the models, yeah. right? Data scientists are in demand for a reason. It's because yeah. they have a lot of, you know, experience. And and to do that, you really need to visualize the graphs yeah. of yeah. how does my accuracy change with more data input? How does my accuracy change when I change my regularization parameters? Yeah. And then you can surface that information, build it, build it automatically, and then surface that information to say, well, you've given me not enough data, or yeah. you've given me noisy data, yeah. um, and there's nothing that I can do yeah. unless you uh, give me better data, give me more data in this category. Um, that is a really cool problem, but I can totally see how you how how it kind of appears yeah. because you promise the promise of Neuroness is is accuracy with little data. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as yeah. you hear that, you can see someone saying, "Well, I have ten pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see how good <laughs> Neuroness really is." And yeah. so if you promise too much, yeah. it becomes
1: so. So, so we are started. Uh, sort of converting, you know, these technical challenges where, you know, something like overfitting or, you know, unbalanced data set into actionable information to your customer where, you know, if it's uh, overfitting, then you tell them that, you know, these are the number of images that you need to upload to get, you know, better accuracy or, you know, a more generalized accuracy where you can actually start using it for your problem. Or, you know, let's say somebody is complaining that, you know, uh, he trained a model, but he trained a model on completely different data set and he is using. So there is a uh, different distribution for the data he trained the model on. And he is actually using it for very different types of images. And then he will get lower accuracy on you know actual real world data. So we have started you know identifying uh, what are the accuracy that people are getting on test data and sort of uh, educating them about you know how to tackle those problems in most actionable ways so i think that that is the big challenge that we are facing right now where you know uh, just just giving actionable education
0: on you know how to train a better model. Yeah, I 100% see that. That's a fantastic product route to go. Um, I hadn't realized that that was part of your solution, but I could see how it makes sense because you're getting all these API calls, you're seeing what the accuracy you're getting on them, seeing where your models are breaking down, and then can feed that back and say, well, if you give us these many more categories, if you give us this this much more training data, we can do we could do much better. Yeah. You know, wh- where are the where are your diminishing returns, and where's your your bang for buck yeah. for, for training data? What I love about what Nanonets is doing here is that it's all leading down the path of commoditization of machine learning tools. So you don't need a machine learning degree or a technical degree to use these tools and start answering questions that a machine learning engineer would generally answer. Things like, is my data underfitting? Is my model overfitting? Things like that. And by making all of this easier to use, you're just going to spread it more ubiquitously you know, in the world around us. In the last part of the episode, I wanted to go over how nanonets does what they do which is how do they create custom models for each customer? These models are all neural networks and neural networks are unique. They have different number of layers in between the input and output layer. They have different learning rates. They have, you know, the different number of iterations over the data set. When you learn, you can imagine that if you don't iterate over it enough, then you don't learn enough and then you're underfitting your data. But if you iterate over your data too much, then you start predicting patterns that are just, just specific to that data set, and you get overfitting. So, answering the question of how does nanonets automate the process of creating unique neural networks was fascinating.
1: So, what, what we do is, you know, let's say let's say you uploaded your images, right? Now, in the background, what we do is we run a lot of experiments with different hyperparameters. And because you know we only have to train last couple of layers, it becomes simpler to experiment with different hyperparameters, and the training gets like very fast. Less number of parameters to tune, and so what we we'll, so let's say you upload image right, uh, we will run tens to 10 to 50 different experiments with different hyperparameters. We will we'll choose what is the best model for your use case. We'll host it as an API, and all you you will get. A simple API to all, you know, you'll just send an image and you'll get the labels. So, so uh, we'll do all of, the, uh, all of the training and you know, all of the experiments in the background and you'll just get an API. Interesting,
0: that goes into some of the uh, more cutting edge research that's going on to use machine learning models to build machine learning models. <laughs> Is that okay. somewhat of a, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're not randomly guessing. The topography to use, or the, the different like learning rates and things like that. Which yeah, are actually, yeah. there is some method towards how you experiment with the 10 to 50. Yeah, how yeah. you build out those 10 so, to 50 so, experiments?
1: Yeah. So, so when we when we started, you know, in the beginning, we used to sort of do it randomly because we didn't have enough data to learn. You know, how to choose hyperparameters better. But as we have, you know, started getting more and more developers and they are training more and more models, we have started. Uh, learning about you know how to choose this hyperparameter so that we can give give you a trained model fastest so you know that is the separate part of you know learning how to train a model or you know learning to learn sort of
0: learning to learn yeah yeah so what you're telling me is that for every additional customer that you get you're getting better at creating an algorithm to create the models. Yeah. Yeah. Is
1: yeah.
0: that is that true?
1: Yeah.
0: That's really interesting. One of the questions I was gonna go down into was how what is the what's making you stronger with each additional customer? And this is definitely one of those yeah. one of those things because you're building out so many it's almost like this is a completely separate side of your business yeah, where true. you're building out a competitive advantage by just building out yeah. neural net models. You're almost machine learning the data scientist. Yeah. So you have very meta a model that builds models. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That model, what are sort of the inputs and outputs? If you had to describe that particular model.
1: Uh, so you are talking about the model that learns how to choose hyperparameters. How to choose right? hyperparameters? Yes, yeah. So so basically, we look at uh, so so it's it's so what happens is you know, let's say you gave us a problem to solve right? Like one developer came and he uploaded some images right. So what initially we used to do was we initially used to run a lot of random experiments. So each experiment have will its uh, will have its own hyperparameters, and we will look at you know how it is learning, what is the curve, uh, how many learning steps it it reached, how, how much accuracy. So all of that data goes into the model that you know finds out how, how do I choose better hyperparameters for the next experiment. So those are all of the inputs, and output is you know. It starts giving you ranges where, you know, this is the range you should try for sort of your next experiment where, you know, you'll find better results, or you'll sort of quickly find out which is the best model. So your range becomes finer and finer as you solve more problems, Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: that is kind of learning that we are getting from.
0: Oh, is this a a neural net that's doing this, or? It's
1: not a neural net right now. Mm it's a Bayesian algorithm where, you know, we, we inputted all of the hyperparameters that we trained before and then it gives you, you know, sort of ranges.
0: A slightly more refined mm-hmm. range yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you predict your your, yeah. your loss function is yeah, essentially yeah. how accurate was my yeah, training, yeah. was my cross-validation my cross training.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Now this part of the interview definitely got more technical than we're used to. But that's okay, because at a high level, what I want you to take away is that NanoNets is creating a machine learning model to create machine learning models where their inputs are the parameters that define what that model looks like. And the output is, well, how did that, how well did that model do? And so in this way, as they get more developers on their platform, they're gonna get better and better at automating the creation of these neural network models. So it's a very interesting source of competitive advantage for nano-nets.
1: A startup is almost like, you can say a gradient descent, right? Like, like you don't know what is the optimal solution, or you know, optimal product, and you, know, you, are, you have all of these different directions to go into, and you know, you just have to find the right direction and you know, start making little, little progress till you reach there. So I think Y Combinator has been very helpful in, you know, choosing that direction. And it's up to you to uh, how much momentum you can give in that direction and raise the optimal point as soon as possible. So
0: <laughs> that's a r- really great way to look at yeah, yeah. iteration cycles of a startup. And if you yeah. pivot, that's just a really big jump yeah. of gradient descent. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it, a new sort of machine learning business model, uh, machine learning as a service, Brought to us by NanoNets. If you have some data and like to give it a spin, check them out. It's really easy to set up. Their integration is smooth. And that's all for today. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please go online and rate us on iTunes. And if you have any questions or just want to get in touch in general, email us at hello at patternml.com. Thanks.